Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss the past, present, and future of all things X-Men. I am your co-host, the uncanny Dayspring. And I'm your other co-host, the adjectiveless Flinkman. Folks, as regular listeners know, we've been knee-deep in animated X-Men nostalgia for, for weeks now, and um, we have absolutely no desire to stop, so let's get right to it. Dayspring, why don't you uh, introduce our guest? I'm just so excited. We have the incredible Larry Houston with us. He was huh. storyboard artist and co-director of Pride of the X-Men, as well as producer and director of the iconic X-Men animated series. Larry, welcome. Hi, guys. Glad to be here. Glad you invited me. Yeah, yeah, we're so, so, so glad to have you. So, Larry, the first question I want to ask you is you are actually the uh, first African-American storyboard artist uh, ever hired for a Saturday morning cartoon show. Uh, congratulations yeah. on that. How did, how did that feel? What was that like? You know, at the time, I was happy to have a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not thinking um, about the impact. You're just happy to be working. Yeah, at the time, at the time it was more of a... Um, a real meritocracy back then because um, the I didn't know I had broken a, a, a glass ceiling until I talked to my friend um, Floyd Norman, who was the first black animator over at Disney. Yeah. And we got in a conversation we were, and he told me I had broken a glass ceiling. I really didn't know. And I had to go back and research it with my friends. And yeah, I was the first one that got hired there and I was a uh, first black storyboard artist. And then after that, you know, a lot of more black artists came on board over at Filmation Studios. Yeah. But at the time, um, I was just happy to get a job. I was, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, I, accidentally you know, uh, making history. Yeah. Seven years prior to that, I was fixing computers for a living. Really? Oh, well, that's quite a jump. Yeah. And I just I hit a epiphany. At, I think I was like 24, 25. And I wanted to see if I could make it as an artist. So I, I, I left computers. I went for a job interview at Filmation. And um, I didn't do my due diligence. I went in to try and get a layout job. But my, my anatomy wasn't strong enough. But the supervisor saw my uh, portfolio, which I had a lot of, um, I had drawn my samples from Marvel or DC, you know, trying to get hired as an artist there. And so he introduced me to um, the storyboard supervisor. He gave me a test, which I did, it didn't seem that hard. I took, I took it, brought it back the next day, and I impressed him that I did it so quickly. Yes. But, also, but also the fact that he had given me a live script. Everybody in the, in the office was working on a script. And he liked it so much, he put it into the show, and then I got hired that same day. Awesome. Yes, that's wow. incredible. Well, that's a testament. Not only your your talent, but your work ethic as well. Congratulations on that! Oh, thanks. It it was a serendipity. A lot of it's like everything came together at the right yeah. place at the right time. I love that. Well, it it certainly did because we are huge fans of your work, and we're so glad all those all those pieces fell together. But before we continue diving into your work, I I do want to know. We know you're a lifelong X Men fan. What is your earliest memory with the X Men? Oh, wow. Um, my earliest memory would be, um, 
I think it was either the Mimic or it was the Juggernaut. Um, one of the X-Men books way back when, 7, 9, 11, somewhere back then. That's where yeah. I bought it off. Back then we had, uh, you know, spinner racks. Mm-hmm. And so I just oh, I miss those. The spinner wrap. And that's, that was one of my earliest to the X-Men that I can remember. It's one of those two issues. I, 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 they blur together right now. First issue aside, who uh, is your favorite X-Man just like of all time? <laughs> yeah, it's like picking your kids, you know? Right? Uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's tough. It's Yeah, because the, the core team has been Xavier, Gene, and Scott, where that's, that's the core group. Um, but since, you know, fast forward to, you know, when it got rebooted again, you got Storm, you got, you got Wolverine, you got um, Nightcrawler, it's like, you got a potpourri of like, I don't yeah. know which one to pick. <laughs> you got to have a favorite from every era at this point, basically. Yeah, it's like the best of all, the best of both worlds, the early ones and the current ones. Do you have a least favorite one out of curiosity? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the ones that are hardest to draw for me. Oh, well, um, that's funny because I was about to ask you about who was your favorite and least favorite character to draw. I get it's probably going to disappoint a lot of people, but Cable is hard as hell to draw. <laughs> he's got, got a all, lot of stuff going he's on. He's got all this crap all over him and stuff. And it's like, it's not a symmetrical costume. It's asymmetrical. So you got to make sure to put it on the, you know, stuff on the right side and make sure the right eye is glowing and all that padding and stuff. It was like, it was crazy. You know, I'm glad at least for, for me as an artist, um, we, I just have to design like one model sheet with uh, <laughs> five with five turns. Yeah. And after that, it's up to the overseas. <laughs> <laughs> Complicated uh, cable with all those pouches. I believe it. I believe it. Who was your favorite character to animate? Oh, the two characters that are easiest to animate is it's the girls, uh, Rogue, Storm. Yes. Um, you know, they're they they're the costumes are easy enough. You can draw it really quickly. And it's easy to, you know, they're flying and or punching or something. Um, and, 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 you know, Wolverine to a degree, you know, I like him because he's easy to draw. It just looks like you're going to, the, you know, you're going to, the, he's always, you know, like that. <laughs> coming at you. Berserker so, rage right there. Yeah. He's always, that's easy to draw too. Yeah, I so can definitely I, see that. I did a lot of those that when I go to, I, well, I used to go to conventions and then I would draw <laughs> for fans, you know, those characters for him. Yeah, we miss yeah. conventions here. Uh, well, as uh, as Dayspring mentioned before, you um, before you joined the team that gave us the iconic '90s animated series, you actually worked on the standalone uh, Pride of the X Men pilot as the storyboard yeah. artist and co-director. <laughs> what we we have some some fond memories of that actually. But what was that experience like for you? For me, it was we were trying our best. We wanted to get the X Men on the air. Yeah, back in the '80s. And we were like, we got the best Japanese studio, to, I think it was Toy Animation, to what? do the animation. Um, the three of us, is myself, uh, Rick Holberg, and Will Minio. We were the three. He did, I think Will did Act 1, Rick did Act 2, I did Act 3. But we were all on the same page as to what we wanted the show to be. And we poured our hearts out to get it in, to get it out there, to try and get, um, try and get it on the air. But at the time, the zeitgeist back then was like, it, it wasn't ready for it. The, 
there was only three buyers, CBS, NBC, and ABC. They had no idea what a mutant was. What's an X-Men? Who's going to watch this? It's too complicated. You know, uh, you know, they just didn't get it. So it didn't go anywhere. But we at least tried to put yeah. it out there. So, you know. Well, we, we love Pride of the X-Men. And I, I'm curious, though, how was that first pitch to you? How did that project first look like when it came to you? It was what they, what it was is that we had been, the advert, the big, our biggest uh, advocate for the show was my boss, Margaret Lesh. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Stan Lee, but she was the one force behind it. And they they found they found some money in a budget from another show. We were working on um, a Robocop, so they found money, they put it aside, and they used that money for the X Men pilot to try and get you know prior to the X Men to try and get it sold to a network back then. Hook those so, books just to get that pilot. <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, that as good as it was, we had to make compromises, you know, like Wolverine talking to Australia and that kind of stuff. We wanted to do the Sentinels, but the people there wanted to sell plastic. And so they said, no, you need a, you need, you know, you need a cast of characters. And so that's how we got Magneto and, you know, uh, Toad and the rest of them, because they figured they're going to have a, here's a, you know, bunch of characters they could sell as toys and stuff so we just kind of like okay we just want to get the damn thing on the air we want to sell it <laughs> yeah uh, so i actually want to ask you about about the cast uh both the heroes and the villains because obviously most you know most of the heavy hitters are there on on, on both sides of it but also you had characters like uh dazzler and emma frost who actually are those those are my two favorite <laughs> like all-time favorite characters so i'm so stoked that they were there how is that cast determined? That was pretty much the three of us. We picked, um, when they told us that we needed to get a cast of characters, we obviously it was going to be Magneto. And so then it was just, we were just populating the the, uh, the cast with other characters. And uh, we didn't want to just have one, you know, woman, I think, what is it, Dazzler? Dazzler and Storm. I'm trying to remember the bad guys. The bad guy is Magneto. Juggernaut. Oh, Toad. Juggernaut, Toad. Pyro. Uh, yeah. And um, Emma, I think. Emma and Frost. Emma. Yeah. Yeah, we um, we kind of gave her modified powers so it looked like <laughs> she had something physical, I, you know. The, I the love that. that opening scene where she, like, creates the mental lightning bolt and is Magneto, your deliverance is at hand. Magneto, yeah. your deliverance <laughs> is at hand. That, yeah. that honestly is, like, the reason I have always been such a huge fan of that character. I was like, who is this woman in white and what is she doing? And I, I loved it. I loved it. So did you inspire the arcade game or did the arcade game inspire you guys? Yeah, it came from us. We were just trying to come up with what we thought was the best combination of characters. It's one of my that, favorite lineups. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. With her, you know, we we knew we had to do something more physical because like mental powers is kind of like yeah. kind of boring on television. So that's why we gave us something to, to throw or to do, you know, something visual for kids to see. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that that's probably part of the reason that Dazzler was selected as well is because she has a real visual power with her lasers exactly. and light shows. Yeah, exactly. She works well for television, that, yeah. those kind of powers. 
Well, I'm glad Dazzler works good for something, Flink. <laughs> <laughs> shady, 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 shady. Uh -huh. But no, I. So we, we, you're, you're deciding who is going to be on the cast. You know, the network wants to sell toys. You know, you were considering the Sentinels. Were there any characters that you were considering that almost made the cut, but ultimately they didn't make the cut? On the X Men side. You know, there are characters we wanted to include that we, you know, Iceman and, and some other characters, but we just had to call it down to something we thought we could work with. I got gotcha. you. You know, then pair them against the good guys and bad guys, because we gave each one a moment, like Colossus versus, you know, Juggernaut. We gave each one their own moment in the, in the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we kind of like paired it off like that. I wanted to ask because I am a crazy Jean Grey fan. <laughs> and I, I have to ask, was she ever considered to be part of the cast? Or are we correct to assume that she could have been dead because of Dark Phoenix? Well, are we talking about the, the uh, pride or are we talking about for the... pride for pride for pride? I'm not. Let's see. I'm trying. I got to think about it because I don't remember why we didn't why we didn't include her. Because because Dazzler's superior. <laughs> I I honestly don't remember other than I, she might have got swapped out for Dazzler. <gasps> she might have gotten Thank swapped you. out for Dazzler. I'm... Dazzler's revenge for Dazzler's <laughs> revenge. She's due for another revenge. Um, I'd have to talk to my friends um, about that because that's there was a lot of compromises all over for picking the characters. It wasn't our first choices because it would have been Jean Grey, but you know, when you wait, wait, I I figured there wait, had wait, to have wait, been wait. Some corporate synergy. Their, their, their first choice would have been Jean Grey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I think. By the way, I think Dazzler was phenomenal in that series, and I love it because Dazzler and the cast that you guys ultimately went with. Oh, thanks. It's we had fun with it, and we. The one thing, the one thing we to keep in mind was that since it was a pilot, if we had gotten the Green Light Force series, we would have expanded stuff. Yeah, yeah. this is just—it's almost like a sales tool. We were putting it out there for the networks to see, and for mm. someone to to say, "Yeah, look, we want to put that on NBC or CBS and stuff." And right. so, it everything could have gotten bigger and larger with if we had gotten the go ahead. Well, let me tell you, I would have loved to have seen the go-ahead because I love the animation. I love Toei so much. What was it like working? They they were a powerhouse. They've given us Sailor Moon and other great properties. What was it like mm -hmm. working with them in the 80s? Oh, it was great. I mean, they were on board with it when they saw what we were trying to do. Um, Will Mini, all three of us, my, uh, myself, Will Mini, and Rick, um, we were all fans of anime back when it was just coming into the United States. So we had been watching all the anime shows. We have been studying their techniques and we were incorporating what we saw into the shows we were working on. And so mm. um, when we sent the shows overseas, they saw in the storyboards what we were trying to, we were trying to emulate some of the stuff that they do normally. And so they yeah. really, it really helped that they saw what we were, what we were trying to do. And then they, they could push it even further. We're using their own um, animation directors and, and, to make it even better. So we, we're on the same page and we, I think Will went over, you might've went over to a toy, but I'm not sure. Or maybe the, maybe the director came here and talked to us. But anyway, we had a good rapport with them and mm. everybody was hoping for, you know, 
you know, two or three year pickup. Were you planning for a two to three year pickup? Did you actually have scripts pass or ideas like at least brainstormed pass that initial pilot? No, no scripts, just um, thumbnail ideas of like, um, okay, we can, we could go in this direction. We could introduce the Sentinels. We're going to introduce um, Sunfire, you know, characters, arcs along the way, but it was nothing more than like a, a bullet point, like a, a, sheet of paper, a bullet point of things that could happen in the future. Was there a specific bullet point that you were most excited for to to tackle? Because you're saying Sunfire and the Sentinel in that animation, and I, my eyes are spinning. So, <laughs> right? Was there one point? Was there a story idea that you would have loved to have explored on that Pride universe? Um, back, you're taking me back. Back in the <laughs> that would be like the mid '80s, and um, the, what we were trying to do at that point with Pride got push forward when we did the actual X-Men. Gotcha. And when we talked to yeah. the editors, we gave them, we, we told them about the ideas that we wanted to do. And, you know, they went through it and just kind of like pick and chose different things. But the one thing that we were strongly for is like, look, we got to do the X-Men has, have got to face the Sentinels. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that was sure. like, that's the one thing that they stopped us from doing before and said, look, we got to get, get the Sentinels. Um, New York at the time, Marvel New York thought we were like crazy. They said, look, no, you got to bring, um, you know, bring out Magneto and, and Apocalypse as the first villains that they face. And we're going, no, 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 no. You guys don't, uh, <laughs> you don't get it. We we're trying to introduce the X-Men to not just the, the core audience, but to yeah. a larger audience, Yeah, you know, cause like satisfying maybe 2 million viewers we wouldn't last on the air like a week. You had to get 10 or 15 million viewers just to stay on the air. Yeah. And so yeah. you got you to gotta make the stories uh, true to what the mythology is, but you also got to make it accessible to the larger public. And so you can't go that deep into the mythology from day one. Right. You got to no. slowly bring people into it. Spoon, spoon feed them. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and and something, you know, the, the the mutants as as other with humans as an adversary is so core to what the X-Men are all about. So I'm really glad that you guys uh, fought for that and were able to get it, you know, eventually included in um, X-Men, the animated series. But with, with Pride, so it, it, it aired on the Marvel Action Universe Hour in 1988. Um, both of us, you know, like we've said, we we loved it, but it it, it didn't so receive a positive reaction overall. Did you, did you get a call from, from the network or anyone involved saying, you know, well, that didn't go as planned or did you like kind of anticipate that it wasn't going to, going to go well? We kind of anticipated only because the viewing before the public saw it, um, uh, we, we got a hint that the networks were confused, confused by it. And we were going, uh oh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So when it did, when it did air, and it, you know, and we didn't get a reaction from the networks, like, you know, a pickup. We were going, okay, we kind of anticipated it. Yeah. Um. So, but who are these know, narcs? Who are these narcs? I want to know. I give me all their names. <laughs> <laughs> those got those censor people and those execs are no longer there anymore. The the strong the the thing is is that what put the X Men on the air was. My the my boss uh, Margaret Lesh, because she was my she was the force behind the the um, 
pride. Now you fast forward about four or five years, she gets the job to be the head of Fox Kids. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the first things she did was call me up saying, we're doing the X-Men. And it's like, yes. Yes. And um, she called me in and Will in and Rick in and two story editors. And we put together a plan of, of how to do the show over. We had to pick up for 13 episodes. And so we kind of plotted out the, the storyline for 13 of what we're going to try and accomplish uh, in this season. Because you got to remember, we had no guarantee of season two, three, four, five. Right. This was one season. So we could... We plotted out what we could do in one season. And that's it. And um, you can see, it, if you look at it, you can see a similarity in, in Pride is that you have a gr- young girl who comes to the X-Men who doesn't know what it's all about. She gets introduced to the characters. When we did the X-Men, the animated series, Jubilee gets yeah. brought into the system and she has no idea what's going on. And it's, it's basically that storyline of like, um, stranger in a strange land as the character as the as the environment is explained to the main character it's explained to the main to the audience too so mm. everybody's getting caught up to speed with all the complexity in yeah. a simple fashion yeah and, so, and it, it, it's we we definitely have seen that parallels with jubilee and kitty pride in terms of how that story, I, I want to jump into some X-Men animated questions, but I have one more question about pride. And <laughs> because there's this huge difference between when we were talking about to the Lee walls about Stan Lee's involvement, and then obviously his involvement in pride, what, what was Stan's involvement like in pride? Because he does actually narrate that opening scene with Emma. Did you, yeah. were you open to that? Was he, was it something that just happened? What were your thoughts on Stan's involvement? Oh, Stan was heavily involved, and that's what he's always wanted to do, is be on camera, in, like introducing the show or narrating the show. And that was always his stick. I mean, I worked for Stan for like 12 years working at Marvel Productions, and that's what he, he always wanted to be Walt Disney, for lack of a better term. Like, Walt Disney, Wonderful World of Color. I'm showing my age, but he was, in that show, Walt was the, you know, the narrator on camera talking yeah. about what are we getting ready to see. And he also buttoned the, he was like the bookend of the show, talking about what you just saw. And yeah. that's what Stan wanted to be. And yeah, that's exactly what the Leewalds told us too. Yeah. Because we were doing, we wanted to do something different with the X-Men. It didn't go over well, <laughs> but <laughs> we had to tell Stan, we're not doing that, Stan. Um, yeah, I, he didn't take it that well, but I think he understood what we were trying to do. This ends part one of our interview with Larry Houston. Of course, Larry's well known for being series director and producer of the X-Men animated series. However, Flink and I couldn't pass on the opportunity to speak to him about his involvement as storyboard artist and co-director for Pride of the X-Men. We both remember buying that VHS and watching it over and over again. We were over the moon when finding out that Larry was a trailblazer by being the first African-American storyboard artist ever hired for a Saturday morning cartoon show. Yes, as well as knowing that Sunfire, Iceman, and the Sentinels were originally planned should the show have gone picked up. And that gene was swapped out for Dazzler, much to Flink's joy. Boo. 
We also love seeing how Larry, along with Margaret Lesh, were the bridges between Pride of the X-Men and the X-Men animated series, and they were able to hit the ground running with ideas that were supposed to be implemented in Pride, but carried through in the animated series. Part two of our interview with Larry will air this coming Tuesday, and we got some really great insight on the series, such as why Larry snuck in characters like Dazzler early on in the background, why the colony weren't named the Brood, why did they keep Jean alive at the end of the Dark Phoenix saga, giving us some insight into the planned Generation X cartoon, and he also confirms my fan theory about Madeline Pryor and a cameo in the series. We cannot wait for you to listen. It will air this coming Tuesday. And until then, thank you for listening.